everyone. Thanks so much for joining in today. We are starting a brand new series today called Love One Another. And I can hear the masses saying, yep, I agree. We've got that absolutely nailed. But I just want to say to you, and I encourage you, don't write this series off just yet, because I believe there may be some areas that we discover and we may even touch on today that you may not yet have considered that loving one another is actually a pretty complex notion. It's pretty a pretty complex case because we're all so easy to get along with. Uh, no, because the, our world is not filled with problems. Uh, no, our world is not filled with uh, our world is not filled with people that have issues. Uh, no, loving one another is actually one of the most hardest things and the hardest concepts to grasp. But I believe that today I'm going to be able to help you see and concent see and know and hopefully concentrate on the fact that loving one another has the biggest benefits that you will ever experience in your life. So let's get into it. So what we need to understand is that revival looks like something. And revival may not be a word that you're familiar with. Revival, from what I'm talking about, is scores of people being saved, set free, uh, being saved, healed, uh, uh, brought into freedom, and being discipled. That's, to me, what uh, a disciple or uh, a revival looks like. And so revival looks like family. Kingdom looks like family. And friends, this generation today longs for family. We all long for connection. And here at Manningham Christian Center, as well as the global church, we have the recipe for a beautiful community that has the privilege to be called family. But this will take a lot of effort, and this will take a, a, a walk, a close walk with Jesus. You see, we live in a fascinating time in history. What we are seeing take place over the last two years uh, awakens hearts to the need for family and connection and community. I believe that we are on the threshold of the greatest awakening in community uh, that the world has ever seen. The greatest awakening to the very love and the life that Jesus alone can bring that the world has ever seen. It does not matter what the media says. It does not matter what other external voices of the world says. I want to encourage you that we are on the precipice of seeing something great and something incredible. When you cut through the noise of culture, when you cut through uh, the, the, the static of, of influences around the world, we start to see that there is a longing for family, there is a longing for community, and there is a longing for accountability. Because everyone, everyone, friends, wants a king like Jesus. Sometimes when we start talking about community, uh, it, it, it's, it, everybody has different uh, definitions of community. Everybody has different de definitions and, mind you, experiences of what community is to look like, what it could look like, and what they've experienced within their own life. Family and awakening, there needs to be a, a family and awakening, an awakening of family, I was meant to say, uh, uh, that, that our hearts begin to embrace 
humankind, that our hearts begin to embrace the diversity of the body of Jesus. And we're going to come back to that a little bit later on. The world's culture is influenced and determined by an enemy that we know as Satan. The Bible describes him as the prince and the power of the air. He works hard for you and I to be submissive to the alleged majority. That is sometimes, it's sometimes if we allow ourselves to come under that sometimes, that, that it gives us an unhealthy perspective of what God is truly and actually doing. We must realize that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, or if you're not yet, that you may choose to do that, you and I, uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, are called to sit in heavenly places. That's actually the perspective that we should have. Now, what is it to be seated in heavenly places? That's an extraordinary concept. Uh, some people uh, uh, spend a lot of their time observing heavenly places. So standing back and, and commentating on what uh, might be happening in spiritual realms and, and in, in heavenly places or, or guessing what God might be up to. But you see, we are all uh, called to be seated in heavenly places. It, it's not even a place of standing in over, over authority. It's this place of being seated. It's this place of being placed, of being positioned, of where we can see God's kingdom from his perspective as opposed to through the white noise of culture. And you see, if, if we do not live from the perspective of uh, being seated in heavenly places, we miss the nuances of the kingdom. We are not called to observe heavenly places. We are called to be seated in those positions of observing and being instruments in what God is doing. It is from that perspective that you begin to see the blatant strategies of the kingdom and the hidden strategies of the kingdom also. Much of the church are not seated in the place of authority. They're observing heavenly places and they are underneath the noise of what is happening in their day. And during this COVID season, there's a lot of noise, a lot of speculation and a lot of people being drawn wrongly into half truths, partial truths, as opposed to the absolute ultimate truth. And that is, what is God saying? What is he speaking into the earth today? So with that in mind, Today, we are launching this new series called Love One Another. So to begin with, I want to talk about the church and I want to talk about the idea around the church. We need to talk about what it is and kind of what it isn't. So if we're going to take part in kingdom strategies, then we must be prepared to adjust our perspective and embrace heaven's perspective. Um, if you look at the youth and young adults today, um, there's an enormous platform. It's through social media and, and it's like you can get the message out to the masses. You can get them your message, whatever it may be, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, or whether it's opinion, which is mostly what it is. Uh, whether, well, no matter what it is, there is a platform like never before that, uh, that each and every single person has. And the youth and the young adults today understand its power. They can see its power. You only have to take a 14-year-old Swedish girl who has strong opinions about uh, the, the uh, environment and environmental matters, and she can has 5 million followers on Instagram, 
and she can share her opinion in front of the United Nations. That is power. That person, that young girl, has a voice, and it is a voice that millions of people are listening to. You might want to think back 100 years. Well, you may not be able to think back 100 years, but if you can think that maybe even 50 years ago that a 14-year-old girl would be able to have that kind of impact globally in nations and in people's bedrooms and homes, that reach is extraordinary. And at the same time, the responsibility is extraordinary. The point that I'm making is that every person has influence to change the conversation, to change the narrative of what the media or what the white noise of culture attempts to shape our view and, of course, of the view of those around us. So in order to love one another, we need to define what church actually means. We need to be able to define the message of our life, that if one young person can be clear enough to articulate the message for that person's life, for her life, then what about you and I? I am sure that you and I can have a message and you and I can have a voice and you and I can be from a position of seated in heavenly places, can have even greater effect in the face of the earth today. So let's have a look. Some people have different some people have different uh, takes on the church. And so, you know, is it the sign outside? Does, it, does a church mean uh, that it's a church because it's got church in the name? Is it a cross on the building? We have, some of you may not have noticed, but we have a, a large cross, a glass cross on the side of our building. Is, does that make us a church because there's a cross there? Is it a community of people? Is it uh, people needing relationship and, you know, the church hopefully is the most accepting place that they can find a greater sense of community in? Is it because uh, church fulfills a need in your life? And that need might be perhaps an emotional or a physical need or a, a, a need to belong uh, somewhere, which uh, all of these are not necessarily bad interpretations of church and they might make up all of the elements that we see as church, but it is not the definitive thing. You might come to church because your spouse or partner or parent drags you to church or it's a requirement uh, that you feel upon your life. We all have different ideas and perspectives. However, one thing, there's just one thing that we all must agree on. This very one thing that we must come together in complete agreement on, and it's this, is that the church is a gathering of people of which they all hold Jesus as the central focus. We understand that that is our call as a church at MCC. Um, there's the word that the Bible uses for the gathering of church. It's called the ecclesia. Well, uh, the original uh, interpretation and the definition of ecclesia was actually uh, it, it described as a group of young men who were old enough to vote. In other words, a group of young men who at the time would be considered youthful and strong of purpose, strong of, of, of physical stature, and uh, they held the power to make decisions or held the power to vote. And so um, uh, today we understand, and essentially the New King James has redefined that word ecclesia for us, is that we understand it to be a gathering of people of which Jesus is at, this, is at its centre. 
Now, to everybody, church looks different. It looks incredibly different. It looks different. So understand the difference between uh, what makes the, constitutes the church, but also uh, that how church looks to everybody. Some people have different tastes. Some people like organs and stained glass windows. Uh, we have stained glass windows but we've got synthesized organ sounds. Some people think that uh, church uh, it should be campfire and cabins. Let's, you know, just get away into the bush and let's sit around a campfire. Um, that sounds pretty inviting right now. Um, uh, so some people might think it's suits and shawls or big hair or hats or, you know, church should be, well, you should, you know, you should, church, you should dress respectfully and, and, and all of those things. Some people hold those things of greater value at church. It could look like a car club. It could look like interest groups. That might constitute a church. Gatherings in homes and small Bible studies. Church might look like pumping music, haze and flashing lights. That might be your version of church. A group of people gathering together with Jesus at its centre. But all of the things that I've just described, these are preferences, personal preferences of which the diversity of the people of God choose. Church is so diverse. And one thing that we are not known for is celebrating that diversity. In fact, church seems to almost have an autoimmune disease where we attack different parts of the body that are not our preference, taste, or people that don't look like or sound like us. Sadly and unfortunately, we find fault in other expressions to elevate ourselves. This may even be the same for individuals. And I know, friends, I've been guilty of that throughout the years. Now, that doesn't mean that if the hand is broken or some part of the body is broken or is not functioning as it should, that we should uh, do all that we can to fix it. We should do that as part of the body. If a foot has fungus, it needs treating, right? But... I want to watch that as a church and as individuals, we never criticize another expression of the body or even within our own, even those within our own. Why? Because Jesus said that we would be known for our love for one another. We can only love one another if we make an, a resolute intention within our own lives that we would celebrate the diversity in expression. The diversity of what God is doing in each of our lives. What God is doing, how God is using me, is different to how he is using you. Your expression of worship may look different, yet with equal passion. Friends, we're always better together. We must not attack the other hand. We can actually celebrate it. Each church expresses their part and their role of the body differently, just the same as each person has opportunity to express their serving God differently, their worship differently. Our church building doesn't look like other churches. We are raising funding for maintenance and refurbishment, and the finished result will reflect the creative expression of diversity and how good God is. This body of Christ is meant to be diverse. It should be diverse. We are at our best when we are diverse. 
We can celebrate our differences and help each other together. So friends, I want to land us here in this moment right now to say that church is an assembly of people that keeps Jesus at its center. Our uh, vision statement is very clear that we are a community of church where the perfect, we are a community church where the perfect love of Jesus embraces all. We can either choose to be under the noise of culture which seeks to divide or we can choose to be seated in heavenly places being a part of what God is actively doing in the earth through the diverse expression of the body. 2019 saw Kanye West, if you don't know who he is, uh, he's one of the most influential hip-hop artists uh, that, uh, the, of our generation. And uh, Kanye West uh, released an album called Jesus is King. Now, if, 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 if that is not surprising to you, you need to know the history of Kanye West to think, goodness gracious me, Chance the Rapper, who, was, uh, who is a, a rap artist, um, led a Bible study recently on the book of Galatians. Friends, there is, there is all sorts of expression of the body, uh, of, of personalities and people that are known and unknown unknown that are actually God is actually using for the advancement of the kingdom and using for the advancement of the gospel and the truth of the gospel. Philippians chapter 1 verse 15 through to 18 says this, no matter the motive, it, verse 15 it says, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. This is Paul talking in this. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. See, friends, that's an invitation for us to celebrate the difference and the differences that you and I have, the expression that you and I have. We don't know what God's doing through somebody else, and we don't know what God's going to do in somebody else. But the best perspective and the best approach that we can have to every single person is this, is that we must love, honor, and respect every person as a created human being created in the image of their creator, Father God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 40, and I'd encourage you to get your Bibles out and just read this together. This is the story of uh, the early church, and it's a beautiful description of what happened in the early church. And I think there's a lot that we can learn about because there's several things, three or four things that I want to share with you today that I believe are vital for us and are vital for each and every single one of us as individuals to explore and ask Jesus what we need to adjust within our heart. It says, says this in um, in verse 40 it says and with many other so Acts chapter 2 verse 40 and with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying be saved from this perverse generation then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers 
Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. I just want to stop there because it's just so vital that we understand that, that, that signs and wonders weren't, weren't done uh, because they were afraid. Um, there wasn't a breaking of bread and in prayers and in fellowship, the Bible describes it as, because they were afraid of their environment, they're afraid of their political scene, afraid of what politicians might be saying, afraid of the economy that they were in reverence towards one another. They were in reverence towards what God was doing. There was this element of, of being in awe of, wow, you are a created being. You are created in the image of your father. You are not here on earth because two people decided to procreate. You are here because God has given you such a great purpose and such a great capacity to love. And it said, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and all had things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily who those were being saved. So today I just want to highlight and I just want to draw some attention actually to a couple of the key areas and a couple of the key things that I believe are important for us as individuals to understand and implement within our own heart, within our own ability to love. We need to understand that when we approach each other with a reverence for God, for who God has called each other to be, then we begin to call out the best in people. We begin to be in reverence for what God is doing in their life. You see, within Australia, we have this tall poppy syndrome thing, and it's probably within almost every other culture. But this tall poppy syndrome thing says that, well, look, um, you know, you're, you're, you're standing out from the rest of us and, uh, and you're starting to make me feel bad. You're starting to make me look bad. So, look, you know, I just want, I'm just going to tear you down verbally or in my heart or in my attitude. I'm just going to tear you down just so you can just, hey, just keep level, son. Just, just, just keep level. What nonsense. How countercultural is that? In fact, the, the, the uh, spirit of criticism is so counter heaven's culture and that heavenly place that we are called to be seated in. My goal for my children is that they would do and accomplish and be better than ever I have ever been or ever will be. It's a bad father, it's a bad parent that would seek to tear down. Instead, the heavenly perspective, seated in heavenly places, says I'm always going to be empowering. I'm always going to be lifting up. And I'm actually going to call out that sometimes when somebody puts themselves down, hey, that's a great opportunity for me to adjust them to see themselves from a heavenly perspective. So let's talk about key elements that builds the foundation for us to be effective in loving one another. The first thing in being a part of this new culture that you and I are a part of is this. There is another way to live. We need to understand that when we look at the early church in the book of Acts, they suddenly came into this revelation that they used to live like this. They never knew that there was another way to live and yet they began to live it. They began to see the truth for what Jesus had displayed for them years beforehand. Some people think that the life that they are living are, is as good as it gets. 
Jesus lived under the most oppressive government the Roman called the Roman Empire. It was the most pagan, it was the most legalistic, it was the most restrictive. Man, they couldn't breathe without a permit. But friends, Jesus came into that environment and showed each and every single one of us that you can thrive even in the darkest days. The Bible is full of examples and it's our responsibility to mine the word for his answers. We only need to look at the way Jesus handled food shortage. Well, he just prayed. It wasn't a one plus one equals two. It was a one plus one equals whatever God says it is. That is the life that we're called to live. There are certain laws of the land that, of course, we need to be submitted to. But when it comes to food shortage or sickness or, or sin, God has given us a beautiful example of where we can partner with him. That sickness goes in the name of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus died upon the cross and the Bible says that he bore all our sin and all our sickness. He bore it all and the Bible says that by his stripes we are healed. So, friends, there is another way to do life. I want you to turn to the person beside you and say, friend, there is another way to do life. There is another way to live. The second thing is this. It's like the X factor. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of God that is within you. If we are going to love one another, we need to have this expectation every single day that the Holy Spirit is alive within us and he is going to do something extraordinary today. He's going to move us from a place of where we were into a brand new expression and experience in Christ. We must have that expectation every day that he is actually alive within you. And every day is an opportunity to be a conduit of power to bring life and change to our community and, of course, in our own lives. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 says, fan the flame that is within you. Fan that fire of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gifting that is within your life. And you see, friends, it doesn't say that God's going to fan the flame. There is that command that Paul gives, gives to the youngster Timothy that says, that says, fan the flame, son. Blow on it. Breathe on it. Massage it. Work it. Get into the word. What does that look like for us? It comes through prayer. It comes through um, uh, reading the word, memorizing the scriptures. It comes through worship. It comes through gathering together as the ecclesia, everything that we've been talking about so far. They, the early church expected God to show up. And we've got to stop cruising through every day, through the norm that we see. It's like that we can get into this default of just cruising through the day, accepting the minimum that we think that the day holds. You see, God wants so much more, and he's calling us to go after it. And friends, we're going to go after it as a church. We're going to go after it as families. We're going to go after it as individuals. We're going to go after the fact that the Holy Spirit, the very power that created life itself, the very breath of God breathes upon us and fills us afresh every single day. I remember the old Keith Green song, Come Holy Spirit, fall afresh on me. Fill me with your power. Satisfy my need. There is this instance and there's this longing for, for, for the Holy Spirit to breathe upon us afresh. The third thing is this. Be discipled. If we're going to be able to walk in this new love for one another, if we're going to see a change affected in our community, then we have to accept that we have a need to be discipled. 
You and I are designed to be discipled by Jesus. And Jesus places leadership in our life. He places the word in our life. And, and, and he, he gives us an opportunity to respond. He, whilst he will never demand it from us, he gives us that choice to engage with him in a fresh and brand new way. The truth is this, that if you don't agree with this need that you have to be discipled, then you will always be subject to what culture and the world describes you to be. How many people have said to you, oh, you're so-and-so, or you're so pathetic, or you're, you're ugly, or, or, or you're so stupid? And, 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 and see, that, that is the default discipleship. It's the white noise of culture that defines your body image, your shape, how, what you must look like, or what you must say, or, or how you must be, or what you must accept. Friends, Jesus needs to be our greatest voice, shaping us in those areas, because he says, you are loved, you are accepted, you are empowered, you are God-breathed, uh, you are created for purpose. Uh, and so all of these different areas says we have to be discipled we have to be shaped. If what I think about me is not what lines up with what God thinks about me, then it's me that needs my mind changed and my thought processes changed. And friends, you have an opportunity to step into that new realm of discipleship with Jesus. Chris Cruz said this, if you do not choose Jesus to disciple you, you will unintentionally choose the world to disciple you. Friends, the early church was committed to true discipleship. They understood and were committed to choosing God to disciple them through the word and through the teachings of Jesus. And it was about everyday life. Which leads me to our fourth point. It is about this. It is about doing life together. The early church knew how to love and do life together. And so my question is this. Who do you do life together? with because that friends will determine the altitude of your life some people are doing life with the wrong people and if you would take five minutes just now to start to think about some relationships that need changing or some new relationships that you know you need to find then you will actually see that you are shaped by those around you, the attitudes that you feed upon. I'm determined in my life that I would surround myself not with people who share the same attitude as I. I'm determined that there's going to be different people. I need a truth teller in my life that's going to tell me how it is. I need an encourager in my life that's going to be able to encourage me. I need somebody who I can be accountable to. I need somebody who I am submitted to. I need somebody who has greater experience that, than me. And equally, there are people in my life that I can input those things to as well. Check your circle. Check your circle of people who are around your life. If we're going to love one another, we need to be able to do life together. And this is the last thing I just want to share with you today. The early church knew how to be generous. And there's two aspects of being generous. There's the one thing that says, I'm a generous person when I see need. When there's a need, I, I, I foot the bill for it. I, I stand up and I go, I, I, I want to cover that off. Then there's another aspect of generosity. 
And this aspect of generous generosity is a spirit of generosity through who we are. It's a way of life. It's a lifestyle. It's, it's, it's like the tap is always on. I know that as a church, we are not a stagnant pond. And a stagnant pond only becomes stagnant because it's got something coming in, but nothing going out. We are not an inward church. We, have a, we are a church where we are well balanced between sustaining and discipling within, building within at the same time as reaching out, flowing out. Because the Holy Spirit works in this way. God works in this way. The more you have, the, sorry, the more you give out, the more that comes in. And I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about resources within our own life, a heart attitude that as we spiritually sow, he spiritually, uh, we also spiritually reap. So what, what comes back into our lives at the same time? Because I want to be generous like my father is. I want to be generous like my Yahweh God is, always. I never ever want my generosity to be tied to personal gain. It simply needs to be part of who I am and who God has called me to be. The early church understood this. The early church knew what it was to love one another with the spirit of generosity towards our fellow human, whether we know them or whether we don't. So today's just been the beginning. We're just starting to scratch the surface of what it is to love one another. I'm calling you to a new level of loving. I'm calling you to a place of understanding that Jesus is empowering us to a new level of loving that brings breakthrough, that brings healing, and a new level of kingdom culture and kingdom living within our own lives. This won't come easily every time. This will require change. This will require a level of accountability. But I've got this promise to you. If you would choose this, if you would press into this, the benefit far outweighs the cost. The kingdom is exalted. Your life is transformed even more. And you step into that place of true revelation of loving one another. So there's five areas that I want you to sign off on in your own heart and life. There is another way to live. You have not experienced everything yet. There's the power of the Holy Spirit who is always at work within your life. You must be discipled and living a lifestyle of allowing yourself to be discipled. You need to do life together in a group of people and perhaps that might need, need addressing and changing. And the last and fifth thing is that I want us to be as individuals and as a church generous like our Father is. So I'm going to pray with you right now, and, and as I hand back to the team, I just want to encourage you, press in, spend time in prayer with Father about this, and invite the Holy Spirit to bring revelation of what it is to love one another. Father, we just thank you right now that each and every single person that's listening and within the sound of my voice, Lord, that they would make a heart decision, that they would embrace completely and totally and commit to the example that you live, Jesus, that we would love one another, love one another. And so, Lord, I just thank you for this result today. 
I thank you, Lord, for the brand new change that you are bringing into each and every one of our hearts. Fill us afresh, Holy Spirit. And Lord, help us embrace all that you are doing within our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.